Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining on another episode of the Inner Revolution. I want to talk today a little bit about how grace fights for the sinner. It's a recent conversation I had with another brother and uh, we were talking about a situation and that statement came out and it really struck me because uh, grace certainly gives us what we don't deserve and mercy takes away what we don't deserve. I mean, these are great uh, revolutionary definitions that uh, few believers actually experience, let alone implement. So when we think about grace fighting, uh, it's kind of a, an interesting word because um, the initiation of grace, the power of grace, the authority of grace, uh, it's always uh, implementing God's heart. And that can look very differently in different situations in the self-righteous's mind. Like, so if, let's say this, if someone is self-righteous or a Phariseeism, they may be over-occupied with what is right versus wrong. But grace is focused on the heart of God, what glorifies God. Very two different outcomes. So if I'm self-righteous or if I'm a Phariseeism, uh, I will focus on the sin. I'll focus on what is wrong. And, and, and guarantee, you know, Obviously, we want to communicate and clarify so that infection does not grow, that the truth obviously will root out infection. But our ministry must fight or focus or spend its energy in lifting up God's heart, God's mind, God's uh, mission. And that is found in three words, uh, you know, that the best defines what we're talking about today. Because again, the legalist, they they pride themselves maybe in following the rules. They pride themselves in doing it right. And I don't want to take away from that because God's righteousness really is defined as God's rightness. So in God's order, God's word, we understand there is an accuracy and an order to God's word and to God's mind. So, uh, but grace is always creating something that is glorifying God. This is this is why Satan hates grace so much in your life because as we receive grace, as we receive love, it's it's healing and it's restoring and it's renewing, it's rebuilding, it's reconciling all of our hearts to God in Psalm 86, 11, we are being united to fear his name. So what, what is one of the greatest demonstrations of God is his grace. Now that doesn't mean it's a get out of jail free card. It doesn't mean that it's leniency. That doesn't mean it's self, you know, it's not denial of, okay, that person's living in sin. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to turn the other cheek. No, no. Grace is upholding righteousness, but it is also creating a capacity in the individual that it's ministering to. So grace fights for the sinner. Now, again, the sinner who's lost in sin in Ephesians 2, 1, 
uh, must be confronted more than just with what's right and what's wrong, but it must be confronted with a ministry of the Holy Spirit in truth, which reveals the heart of God. This is why forgiveness, mercy, grace, reconcile the heart more than rules, more than throwing someone in a cage, more than demanding compliance. But instead, grace is fighting for the sinner. It's pointing ultimately back to God. And that is where the conversion and transformation really happens. Otherwise, it's all behavior modification. So today we can find ourselves as Pharisees if we are gossiping and slandering someone based on their behavior. And this really gets me uh, upset because so many Christians are busy kicking other Christians when they're down rather than being slow to speak and quick to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, well, we have to protect those innocent people that are being taken advantage of by someone's gross sin. I am with you on that. We should definitely protect the innocent. We should definitely be in a place where we're educating and communicating truth so people don't fall into a pit. But how we do it is of utmost importance utmost importance, how we are ministering in Galatians 6.1, truth in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of kindness, in a spirit of not assuming I know what's going on, but uh, getting the facts in prayer and getting the facts and the evidence and laying it before the feet of Jesus, and not just throwing stones and and presuming and acting on half-truths. No, this has got to stop, actually. In the Christian community, it's a laughing stock to the unbeliever as he looks or she looks at the Christian community that is fighting uh, against the sinner, fighting against the church, fighting against the man or woman of God and canceling them out. That is absolutely horrible. But this is what grace does. Grace comes in it lifts up a standard of truth in the attitude of love. It doesn't demand a change. It produces a change because it points to the God of all grace. Now, grace is not a license to sin. We don't need a license. We're already doing good at that. But it points us to conversion, conversion. So the three words I'd like us to think about today in regards to grace fighting for the sinner and really uh, in war, uh, obviously strength and power is valuable, but more importantly is authority. It's the God-given office that is um, that wins the hearts and wins the mind and empowers people to live in their God-given God-given image as a victorious person. Well. The three words, grace rebuilds. Number two, grace restores. And number three, grace reconciles. If these three words could be demonstrated in a relationship, notice that, uh, let me just finish that. If these three could be implemented in a relationship, the results would be staggeringly good. But if I'm demanding change of result without the heart being changed, then guess what? It won't last. The frustration, the anger, 
and the accusation will come back. But grace rebuilds. It's an internal rehabilitation. Let's say someone does something wrong. You go to them alone in Matthew 18 and you communicate in a spirit of meekness in verse 15. And then you entreat that person. Maybe that person's made an honest mistake. Maybe that person has purposely premeditated a mistake and you entreat them. Now, that person is not going to change unless there's conversion in their life, unless there's conviction in their life. So grace is giving someone who doesn't deserve something good something from God. Grace is the person of Christ in action. It's authoritative. It's governmental. It's not just leniency. It's not, oh, you know, it's just the way they were made or born, or that's just the way they do in their in their own way. You know, that's just how they're going to be. <clears throat> no, grace teaches us to deny ungodliness in Titus 2, but it's also demonstrating the heart of God. So grace has unlimited patience. Grace has unlimited love. Grace has unlimited kindness. We don't possess grace. So before you start stressing yourself out and putting pressure on yourself, thinking, man, I could never give this grace. Well, that's obvious. None of us possess this grace. This is why we receive it from God of all grace. And we ourselves are conduits. We ourselves are beneficiaries of this grace. extravagant grace. So, you know, why is it that someone is living the way they are? Maybe they're crying out for help. Maybe they're negatively acting out. Maybe it's a generational curse. What is going to change that person? Well, yes, prayer. Yes, um, ministering patiently to them, but grace, pouring out grace upon them, confuses the atmosphere, creates an ability in that person to see something that maybe they've never seen before. Maybe their father or their mother, uh, they've been abandoned. Maybe they've had bad leadership. Maybe they've been mishandled or abused. Grace poured out from God gives a whole new dimension to being rebuilt from the inside out. It means that God is loving us regardless of our performance. God is reaching for us, regardless of our condition. God is there running to us uh, the moment we just look to him and there's beautiful reconciliation. Well, the next word is restoration. Restoration. I see this a lot where because of sin, people are punished and they are retracted from their ministry or retracted from Uh, their place of um, privilege. Um, And there is a time for um, certainly repentance. um, And there's this a time for remorse. And but if someone is not making a place for the devil, and someone has repented and someone has uh, asked for mercy, who are we not to have grace fight for that person? The self-righteous will kick, they'll, they'll, they'll take, they'll throw rocks, they'll accuse, they'll say, oh, they've always been like that. And now they're getting their, their, uh, they're getting their, what they deserve. I would be very careful if I was that person talking, because, you know, that emotion of judgment into one of Romans will take the sin off the, the person who is guilty and put it on me discernment says, 
I'm going to make it a kingdom and truth issue and not have the emotion of self-righteousness that judgment does. Very important when you're dealing with people in open sin uh, to be kind, to be clear, to be doctrinal, but not to get emotionally vested that somehow I'm the judge that's going to correct you. Well, that restoration to others. I think this is a big one where the willingness, like think about when uh, Saul was converted and became Paul, very few really trusted this conversion. They thought it was a trap. Somehow when trust is lost, this can happen. The, the suspicion and the ability to believe that something bad will happen if I trust again. Grace is saying, let's trust God in that person. Let's focus on their conversion. Let's find the, the healthy and focus our attention on that health. This is a decision of the will. I'm not saying it's going to go perfect, but this is the way that things are, are uh, restored where they bring things back, maybe not to its original place, but to an eternal place. So let's say in a relationship, someone uh, someone disappoints you or someone um, has hurt you. Now, I'm not saying we need to go on vacation with our enemy here, but I'm saying that we have to be more willing before God through prayer to give what that person needs. And that is the grace of God. Now, grace doesn't keep me or you in a place of sinning. I'm not going to give someone uh, that ability to, to enable them to go back to their sin. No, grace is empowering them to choose life. Grace is saying, hey, there's another way. Grace is saying the thing that you're starving for is not found in your addiction. It's found in being a son or daughter of God. So grace is really the government and person of Christ ministering through the mercy, through the ministry of love. Restoration, restoration. Who are we to be so suspicious? Who are we to be judgmental? Who are we to say that we are not guilty of that same sin that person's been uh, accused of? Be very careful, be very careful not to jump on some self-righteous bus, if we could say, uh, that says, oh, you know, that person, that ministry, and that, because you know what? That is sin. Gossip is even speaking the truth that not in the heart of God, it's sin. Slander, slander is verbal murder. It's murder. How do you murder your brother? You kill him in your heart by our by our lips in James chapter 3. Very, very important. I'm stirred up today because I'm so amazed how we can be blessing in one part of our mouth and cursing another in the other side of our mouth. The, the publican, and, and um, we, we see him just beating his chest, and the Pharisee was so consumed with himself. Who went out justified? It was the publican that was humble before God saying, I need grace. I am the, I am unworthy, but it's not about my worthiness. It's about the extravagant nature of grace. Well, the last word is reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5.18. What does that mean? It means we have been rehabilitated or we have been um, internally restored. Um, that restoration now we're able to be brought back into agreement and cooperation with others. And then thirdly, now we're able to give that same spirit to the guilty. 
Now, what's going to happen? Someone's going to say, oh, if you do that, they're just going to go back to their same sin. Well, that may be true, but our responsibility as believers in 1 Peter 4.10 is to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Who are we to say or, or, or determine who's going to get grace or not? Uh, if it was if it was our our responsibility to ration the grace of God, then guess what? Uh, we would um, <laughs> who who who's to know who gets how much and who doesn't? It's just very much a self righteous um, and Pharisaical mindset. We want to pour out grace on the most undeserving, the sinner who was in the the pit. Uh, in the um, mud pit, eating swine food. That's the person that needs to be raised up from the ash heap in 1 Samuel 2.8 and put on a throne. 1 Samuel 2.8, great verse. He's taken the beggar that's on the ash heap and he's put him on a throne. Hey, that's our story. That's your story. If we're really honest, none of us deserve to be where we are today. And anything good in our life is really from the hand of God. I really want to just say as we enter these this season before the rapture, we're going to see more and more Christians devour Christians and churches devour other uh, churches, and it's going to undermine the witness of God in the earth. So let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's be extravagant with our love. And what's the worst thing that can happen? We're giving the right thing extravagantly, and maybe someone abuses it. Well, for sure, uh, what's that person going to remember? They're going to remember they were given something they weren't, they've never deserved. Now, the argument might be, what about the innocence? And what about for infection? And what about the spread of evil? And I'm with you. Those things uh, guaranteed should have uh, boundaries. And, and there should be in the spirit of love and truth, there should be entreating that person. If someone wants to live in their sin, then we give them over to their sin uh, if they do not want to be converted, if they do not want to uh, listen to truth. And 15, 18 of, of Matthew, if we've gone alone, gone with another, and gone with the gone with the elders, and we say, hey, listen, this is a person that is on a that is on a way of destruction. Do not uh, do not um, do not follow them. Are we going to make them a villain? Are we going to make them an enemy? They're already an enemy of God. But how's that person going to come back to following God? How's that person going to, in at their lowest point, respond to God? They're going to, they're going to need to be have that revelation of grace dis- distributed to them. They're going to need to see a demonstration of grace. I'm reminded of a of a story where there was a man back in the day. He had a convicted uh, felon uh, that went to jail and, and he uh, came out of jail and he was actually working for this rich man and he was a, a caretaker in his home. And this rich man knew his past and he said, you know, I'm just going to give this man a, uh, a break. I'm going to, I feel led of God to have him work in my home. And what happened? Well, the convicted felon uh, that served time, he he was good for a little while, but then the silver, uh, the silver, um, silverware, uh, and the different things in the rich man's house became more and more of a temptation for him. 
and he just felt the desire to steal again because uh, he was a great thief. And um, one night when the rich man was in bed, the thief, this man that he was trusted to care for his home, stole um, all of his silverware and stole all these things. And he ran, he ran from the home. Well, what happened was the police found him with all of this uh, silverware and all these things and knew who he worked for and knew that this was not uh, his property. And so the policeman came uh, with the convicted felon and he, and he, he uh, went to the rich man's home and he said, we found this man. He has your stuff. And would you like to press charges? And you know what the rich man did? He says, you know, he, he, he looked at his, his, uh, his uh, caretaker and he said, you forgot the uh, silver candlesticks. You forgot. And he started to give him things that were even more valuable. And it broke the thief's heart. It broke his heart. And the rich man did not press charges, but actually brought him back into a into the standing of a caretaker again, because he saw the brokenness of this thief. Now, this might seem like an absurd story. We might be saying, oh, that man needs to sit more time in jail. But what happened to this rich man is he gave this caretaker what he desperately needed, and that was uh, love, care, and respect, and trust. Now, this man, uh, in that moment, uh, he made a decision in his heart, I'm never going to steal again because of the benevolent favor of this rich man. And this caretaker served uh, honorably this, uh, this rich man all the days of his life. And when the rich man died, uh, there was a great, um, there was a great blessing that he was left for, for this caretaker. Now, this is what I'm saying. Like in the world today, the world doesn't need my judgment. The world doesn't need my, give him a piece of my mind. The world certainly doesn't need to see me kicking another Christian when he's down. And, and let me just say this. There's always three, three sides to a story my side, your side, and then the Holy Spirit side. <clears throat> want to be very careful uh, not to be manipulated by information that has a nuance or a um, has a spin to it. But we want to just be guilty of giving extravagant grace. Let's just keep giving grace. And that is going to be what rebuilds, what restores, and what reconciles the heart. You know, we can shout, get angry. Uh, we can call, you know, call out the injustice card. And but God says, "Be good to those that despitefully use you." This this is impossible to do unless we are in the Spirit and really saying, "God, everything I have is yours." Now, I'm not saying we want people to do that. We don't want to be robbed from. We certainly don't want to have things, um, uh, you know taken from us and we don't want the evil person in our lives, but, but what is going to demonstrate the heart of God? Is it me being right? No, it's going to be you and me glorifying God, ministering the spirit of God in the heart and anointing of God. This is a revelation we all need. This is something I am learning. I don't feel like I know it at all, but 
grace fights for the believer. <laughs> I mean, what's going to what's going to rehabilitate people? What's going to bring the sinner back into the remnant, into the fold? Is it going to be a judgment, judgmental eye, uh, uh, looking down from the pier of my nose and confessing some verse in a self-righteous way? No, no. It's going to be the demonstration of the verse. It's going to be the demonstration of, the, of love. It's going to be the demonstration of, of the heart of God. And then this is where we live out our faith loud. Think about that rich man. He could have sent that thief away for many years, but instead he said, hey, wait a minute, you forgot the candlesticks. You forgot this and that. And, and imagine the face of that thief. And that's what broke him. That's what broke him. No agency or, or uh, cage could have changed him. Love breaks through the pride. I mean, think about this Peter as he denied the Lord. I mean, think about this, the self-loathing and just the, the shame and guilt in his life. But Jesus, what did Jesus do? Jesus looked at him with compassion. Well, let's allow grace to do the heavy lifting. Let's allow grace to fight for the sinner. Not justify the sinner, not condone the sin, not to cover the sin, but to let love be between me and the sinner. Let love and grace be between me and in my conversation about that person. You might say, this, is, uh, this doesn't make any sense. Well, grace is certainly unreasonable. <laughs> and it's beautiful because all of us are recipients and trophies of the grace of God. Today, let grace fight for the most undeserving. We, we all deserve the worst punishment. But grace stands up and mercy says, nope, this is a child of God. And in that demonstration and life-giving ministry, we are uh, rebuilt, restored, and reconciled. And then we hate our sin. And then we uh, fear the Lord. And then we say, wait a minute, I'm satisfied and I no longer need my sin and, and, and guess what? The favor of God, the favor of God comes upon you. You know, I believe most Christians are not blessed because they talk from their language is self-righteous. Their language is uh, deceitful. Their language is a gossiping, slanderous way. And um, I just want to say that to me first today. I want to be edifying. I want to be communicating up. Let's talk to the right people if there's problems. You know, don't don't sit there and say, oh, I can't talk to anybody. This Let the evil continue. No, no, no. Talk to the right people. Communicate with the people that can do something about it. But pray, 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 pray. And stay off the judgment seat. That's, that's the work of Christ. And let's be the ones that are giving grace, that are ministering mercy, that are motivated by love. And you know what's going to happen? The sinner is going to turn and they're going to, there's going to be repentance. Because remember the prodigal, how did he leave the, the, pen, the pig pen? He remembered his father's heart. And this is where change comes from. This is where uh, true rehabilitation comes from. And if it doesn't happen my way or in my time frame, guess what? We are just guilty of giving grace. And then God says, oh, you're going to give grace. I'm going to give you more grace. 
Uh, I'm going to resist the proud, but I'm going to give grace to the humble. And, um, and how many times can we say in our life and other lives that people see Christ, that you, you may be the only Christ that people see, the only church that people go to, the only Bible that people read. And being that gospel of grace in these days is what's going to change the heart, which will change the mind, which will eventually change the decision of the will. Amen. God bless your day. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.